Hallo und willkommen zum Stefopoli Podcast. Ich bin der Gastgeber Thomas und mein Co-Gastgeber ist Max Saito. Wie geht's es dir heute, Max? Gut, danke, Thomas. Wie geht's? Ah, yes, toll. In fact, toll. I have can, you, <laughs> can you believe that I got my GCSE in French and not German? I actually, I can, just a little bit. Um, I wish that <laughs> I might have to hop on the Duolingo for more German lessons because um, in in getting back into speaking there just a tiny little bit, I, I actually felt like oh, that was nice. We, there, there's a reason for the German opening and that's because for the first week since all the way back in the NFL Europe days, there was officially an NFL licensed game held in Germany, um, which we will be coming on to later on. But how how actually are you, Max? I know that I put you on the spot a little bit with your German there. Just a little. Yeah, no, I'm not too bad at all, actually. I'm, I'm feeling a bit more positive about the outlook of, of the season. Um, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. I think that we both... Um, We both needed big wins in sort of mild cornered animal spots, but about five weeks too late, maybe for for one of us. But um, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited. This week was a was a pretty a pretty good week for being able to talk about games again. Um, yeah, we had um, because of <laughs> what the, happened. But I was gonna say the cream rises to the top, but a lot of the I guess you don't separate cream from the chaff. But there was still quite a bit of chaff, to be fair. There was, but but my God, when you got the quality out there, did it show? Uh, You're the cream. That will <laughs> make a fine brandy cream for your Christmas bud. Later on in the uh, in the show, we'll obviously have potentially the game of the year to talk about, uh, as well as the aforementioned German game as well. But we will be starting as usual with Thursday night football, where the Atlanta Falcons were beaten handedly by the Carolina Panthers 25 to 15 at the many bank stadium bank of america stadium is it for for the panthers bank of something bank of something my friend it sure is a bank stadium and uh, <laughs> the the panthers do get a win on the board um i i must admit i i know that i said sort of for a few games this week that I wasn't going to feel too differently about a lot of the teams in the league. I feel worse about the Falcons after that one. That was a pretty ugly way to lose against a pretty bad team this year. I think if you if you come out of the other end feeling a lot worse about the Falcons, you might have been a bit too high on them to start with, just because I don't think the Falcons, although they have been fun and um, all right in stretches... I don't think this result was ever beyond them. I don't think they were too good to to drop a result like this. That's um, yeah, that's fair. Um, but I think the the questions the questions coming from the Falcons at the moment are, are probably about. Uh, I know you you had a prediction that Desmond Ridder was going to start fourteen games, I did. Which, which might mathematically barring. No, mathematically, <laughs> no, it is over. It is. Oh. It's been over since like week three. <laughs> but I wonder what would have happened if if he had, because I think there's going to be calls. Because you know the Falcons do one thing quite well, which is run the ball. Um, but they're kind of middle of the road or worse in a lot of other 
areas. And um, yeah, the Panthers are just they they won. Uh, who did they beat two weeks ago? Um, they, or did they even win? That was that Falcons game, perhaps. No, they beat the. It, well, they beat the Bucks twenty-one-three. They uh-huh. and they got the shellacked Falcons, by the Bengals, and then they got absolutely pasted, yeah, by the Bengals. So, yeah, but odd, odd team, odd division. Very strange stuff. It is a strange division. It's for the first time since I believe like week seven, the team on top of the division. Um, isn't on a losing record, uh, which we'll come on to in a little bit. But yeah, uh, strange division. The fact that the Panthers are still only two games back, though, is is crazy. Their schedule doesn't really seem to be all that nice. Um, they're at, at the Ravens. They do have a home game against the Broncos, but then they've got the Seahawks and a well potentially rejuvenated Steelers in their next in their next four. They could pick up a couple wins there. They could also go zero and four. It it just is the the nature of this team. I'd be interested to yeah, see how it turns out. Well, I, no, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't be interested at all. <laughs> I don't think it's worth us spending too much time thinking about the, the future of the Panthers in twenty twenty two. But I suppose when, when it's a season like this, you're kind of looking for what you can take forwards into next year. And to me, I think Deontay Foreman's a real success story, having come back from that serious injury that really took him out of the game for. A couple of years and slowed them down for even longer. Yeah, um, they've been running the crap out of the ball, and they've actually been doing it all right because um, since Christian McCaffrey left, they I think they've had all, they've posted all their season highest rushing totals. Which isn't <laughs> yeah. to say Christian McCaffrey was holding them back. It, it's just to say that obviously they they also changed coach, which helps. Um, yeah. But it is to say that they they can still have a successful run game even without him. Yeah, and Um, they might need it because PJ Walker um, is apparently set to miss next week. I'm not sure what the injury prognosis was when I saw that news report come out, but um, it means that Baker Mayfield's going to be back uh, back in at starter. And if there's a guy... head's still connected. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was such a weird moment. Why was he headbutting the face masks of every everyone on his team as they were making their way off the field? The old Brian Cushing strategy <laughs> yeah oh but uh yeah i mean if they're gonna get success with baker mayfield they're gonna need to be able to run the ball well and with Dante foreman and i mean tuba hubbard was a bit slower this one with just 2.8 yards of carry um but they got a, a pretty nice game out of raheem blackshear and obviously they got the big splash out of lavishka chanel as well so mm. yeah i'd be interested again i know i won't i'm sorry i, I really wouldn't Okay, uh, moving swiftly on then, because we are only doing this firehander, and as a result, we should be able to get out of this pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, although God knows we love talking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might actually be the two that sap up the most time on the show. Maybe we should get someone to collate that. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who you or me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pass that task over to to Ed. I think. Uh, he loves a spreadsheet. He does. We yeah, all do, fine. apart from Sam, who I don't know whether or not he knows how to use Excel. Actually, thinking about it, we'll have to wait. He only see. found out what a computer was in two thousand and fourteen, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that includes things like mobile phones and microwaves. Anything with a ch- anything with a ch- <laughs> 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 he didn't know what a microwave yeah. was until twenty fourteen. <laughs> that's a new. That's a new. Uh, 
he he grew up eating only room temperature foods, um, <laughs> which is where his incredible intestinal fortitude has come from. He grew up on a diet entirely of like pate. eighteen degrees Celsius pate. <laughs> 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 oh, no, he did. He used to have a coal cellar, so he, uh, he used to put all of his pate and his beer into the top. Yeah, coal in the bottom. Yeah, Dorted. Victorian man. All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on then to the uh, to the Golden State, San Francisco Forty Nine ers in the Bay Area, getting a win over the LA Chargers, who. They've got to start getting some of their wide receivers back because they just didn't pose a threat for the whole second half. And um, 49ers, they were obviously playing from behind, but they they looked the more comfortable side as far as I was concerned the whole way through. It's just a couple nice plays, one by Herbert to DeAndre Carter and what have you. Did have the chances out in front, but yeah. I kind of thought that the, the 49ers might come out here and, and blow the charges out of the water, to be honest. Like... Obviously, having Christian McCaffrey and having a bit of a break to, to put him in, I thought they might come out and really make a statement, which they didn't do. The Chargers, as you say, led for... Well, were leading fairly late into this game. So that's interesting. And, and it's not just the receivers. I mean, the, the, the Chargers desperately need to get healthy, as always, in every department. I yeah. mean, it's basically... This season can be summed up by that JC Jackson signing. Got banged up. Rushed him back, got hurt again, brought him back, didn't play well, got hurt, season over. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how their season's been going. It's just been a bit... Uh, probably the most depressing season for us, I would say, for us as a podcast, um, compared to what we were hoping for, for anyone. Yeah, we all sort of adopted the Chargers just as like a fail-safe that the Colts were going to be bad, which they've proven to be. And uh, unfortunately, the Chargers just continued to charge her. How many years do you think that Brandon Staley has left at the helm? Because um, obviously they, they they must be aware of the, the level of talent that they actually do have at their disposal. But they also... Well, he, he can't control who gets injured. He can't that control who gets like injured. But even, even when they were a largely healthy side, they were getting blown out by Jacksonville at home, which doesn't do well for... Trying to get bums on seats in a in a new stadium for a team, uh, well, for a city that hasn't really taken to you all that well, because there's another more successful one, literally in the same building. Like, I don't know. It just feels it feels a little bit like um, feels a little bit like he might be one of those coaches that's seat might start warming up very soon. And it's weird to say for a five and four team, but they just. They, yeah, it depends. If they if they really like just create it down the stretch and go out finish really sad, then I can see it. But also if they get their receiver held back and they finish ten and seven, I don't think you'd fire a guy after that. But they are in the doldrums, so they're not going to have a satisfying outcome either way at the moment. Yeah, I'm just having a look at the rest of their schedule. They've got the Chiefs, they've got the Cardinals, um, they've got the Raiders, they've got the Dolphins, Titans. There's a couple of these games in here that I could see them being tripped up by. They actually have the Rams um, as well as a inverted commas home game, which will just be a Rams game um, on the second of January as well. So I'd be I'd be interested to see how many of those sort of teams end up being a bit of a tightrope match for them. To be honest, 
real. Yeah, um, it, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a, a a tight finish this season. But I don't think they're gonna make much of a splash in the playoffs, even if they get there. Unless something really unpredictable happens, and and for the 49ers, I think they've got to start liking their chances of winning their division. Yeah, they. Um, I know that the Seahawks lead the division still, but um, the 49ers feel more like a a, a proper deep run playoff team. I'm feeling a. I'm feeling a repeat of last year. Where, uh, uh, to be fair, last year. Um, my take on it was like, oh god, I don't want the please don't send the 49ers to Lambeau in the playoffs. Oh god, they're going to lose, which is exactly <laughs> what happened, of course. But it's not so much of a big deal this time around since the Packers are probably not going to be playing the 49ers in the playoffs. That is true, yeah, <laughs> especially not at Lambeau. Um, no, it doesn't seem particularly <laughs> likely, does it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of caught fire again down the stretch. The 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 makeup of the team is still a lot similar. Yeah, and they're getting healthy as well. They got uh, Debo back for this game. Elijah Mitchell, who rushed for 89 yards as well, he came back, um, got activated off of IR and had a pretty nice game. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that Falcons loss, I don't think that you could really say that the 49ers have had like a pretty bad run of it as of late. I mean, they they lost to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs came out all guns blazing for a full quarter and really racked up the score, but... Other than that, they've um, they've been all right. Plus, they're uh, getting big wins in their division as well. They beat the Seahawks. They did the double over the Rams. So, so we'll wait. We'll have to wait and see. Um, all right, and now on to uh, probably actually, in my opinion, maybe one of the best primetime games of the season. Um, just for how it ended up playing out and for intrigue purposes, the Philadelphia Eagles take their first loss of the season. Open up the champagne bottles, Larry Zonka, because you get to celebrate another year where you only won 15 games and get to celebrate that. Um, but the Eagles fall to 8-1 and one at the hands of Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. Although if I was to be completely honest, I think that the Philadelphia Eagles fell to 8-1 and one at the hands of themselves here. Some real gnarly turnovers. Quez Watkins with... Uh, the pick of the day, getting up after a big completion and then immediately fumbling the ball. Just not good. Not good. Real sloppy. Yeah, really sloppy from the Eagles. Um, the Washington keep winning. I don't really know how. Um, <laughs> yeah. McLaurin's having a fantastic season, I'll say that much. And and since Brian Robinson's come in, they have been much more consistent running the ball, but they, they are one of these teams who just keep winning... Somehow, <laughs> and no they're one really knows that. They're spicy. They're a, they're a, they're. A, I know that they're five and five, and the NFC is still wide open. But like, never know. Five and five is last place in the division, so I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. To be honest, that well, that is true. Um, just have to wait and see, like whether or not the. I mean, the only, the only other division that seems anywhere near as close to having like. Well, having that other playoff spot is the West, obviously. But if the Seahawks drop off at any point, that could open the door for Heineke and the Commanders. We could have all four members of the NFC East in the playoffs in one year, which I think would be pretty. Who bad. would be the first wild? 
who's the, who are the competitions for the wild card? So it's going to be the 49ers or the Seahawks, yeah. probably. And then you're probably going to get the two third-place teams, second and third-place teams in the FC East as it stands, right? So, yeah, I suppose it's not impossible. The Seahawks, to me, are, are kind of a regression candidate. Um, yeah. The Bucks are inconsistent, but we'll talk about it later. I like their chances to kick on here. Um, the 49ers, like I say, I also like their chances to kick on. So it, it is going to be kind of a... I don't know. <laughs> There's going to be a, a, a couple of teams who... I'm just thinking, like, the Packers might, might end up being, like, really regretting that, that f- month stretch they spent dicking around because they might end up being finishing quite a decent team and losing out to like a nine and eight Seahawks team <laughs> who was sort of falling off down the stretch. Yeah, entirely possible. I mean it could even be a, a a Washington Commanders team that sit five and five on the year. You never know. You really do never know. Um especially when the playoff window is this wide open on one side of the one side of the window. Um one thing that I just wanted to mention in particular was uh, that just incredibly funny final play, really, of the game where uh, Taylor Heineke um, takes a knee running around in the backfield. There is absolutely no reason for Brandon Graham to to dive in for a tackle. Taylor Heineke's clearly on a knee. Brandon Graham hits him late. And then and then proceeds to complain that it shouldn't have been a flag. Come on now, just don't hit the guy who's taking a knee. You probably uh, you get the ball back at least. All it did was just allow the commanders to cook out more of the clock. It was crazy. So what a silly well, I mean, way to end it. We've talked about Brandon Graham on this podcast before because he's dirty and yeah. not and and pretty stupid. So yeah. it's not a surprise to me to be honest. He's certainly on my radar. It reminds me, uh, my one play whenever I think about Brandon Graham was one in uh, week four of 2019. Not the Super Bowl winning for forced fumble. No, no, no. <laughs> the, the one in week four of 2019, I believe that was against the Packers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I might be mistaken on that front, but uh, just an absolutely horrible late hit. Um, it just always comes to mind because I remember seeing it in the window I was at a Pittsburgh Pirates game, funnily enough. Yeah. And I was looking in the window of um like a box on the row below me and I watched that hit from afar and I was like, Oh, who the hell was that? And I saw and then I noticed that it was Brendan Graham, like checked it on my phone and I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Got ejected for it. So yeah. I think that might have been was that he had a hit on like Devontae Adams or something? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember it that game. That was the one where Andre Sendejo almost killed Avante Maddox. Yeah. Friendly fire. Yeah. Ouch. Um, but yeah, weird. Sometimes it is weird how like certain players can have like iconic moments, and yet the thing that will stick in your head is the uh, is the dirty play as well. Crazy. Um, anything else for Monday Night Football, or shall we move into the Sunday slate and start? Breaking no, I'm happy to, to move on. Sweet. Well, in which case, let's take a trip across the waves, find ourselves in Central Europe, where the Sea Falcon lost 16, or Zexon saying, at Die Freibeuter, 
21. Where Julio Jones scored the opening touchdown. The Bucks looked like they were comfortable. But DC Falcon came roaring back. Just couldn't quite complete the comeback. And the German crowd, by the way, were absolutely... I mean, I was getting goosebumps at points. It was quite weird seeing Tom Brady take a snapping shotgun, complete the game-sealing play by allowing... Well, getting a first down... And the crowd just weren't... They almost weren't paying attention. They were too embroiled in singing Take Me Home Country Roads. It was uh, a real sight to see. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that this experiment's happened. And it sounds like Tom Brady did as well because he, uh, he came out after the game and had a, uh, the brightest smile on his face ever since... Um, I think maybe the brightest smile on his face this whole year, to be honest. He's looked a dejected man. The only the smile on his face for the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I always like when Yanks come over here and they're like blown away by the atmosphere because we have atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. And we do things like sing songs and, and not just go like, <laughs> when the signs tell us to. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Or have the same tune of chant, but for every single team across the league. Let's go, Brady. How about you shove that up your ass? Because here in Europe, we do things better. We do things differently. <laughs> <laughs> we sing country roads, which actually we don't hear. That seems to be a German thing. <laughs> it is. Uh, apparently, it was because um, it's a it's a common Oktoberfest song. Apparently, um, it's pretty cool. Kind of nice to uh, lead out the books with a bit of John Denver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of in terms of the game itself, it was like the Bucks finally found their running game with Rashad White taking. A lot of the snaps, um, <laughs> especially the down the stretch arm? when Warnett got hurt, that stiff arm was was quite nuts. Yeah, um, and that meant that it was a lot easier. Like they weren't just constantly throwing, you know, going three and out because you run for negative yards on first down, yeah. incomplete on second down, and it's like third and long instantly. Um, so that helps balance the offense for sure. And they it did look like they were running away with it before they decided to play. <laughs> Pull out one of the stupidest plays of all time. <laughs> yeah. Fournette takes a direct snap, rolls to the right, and throws back across the field to Brady, who's covered by, let's see here, Tariq Woolen, <laughs> potential defensive rookie of the year. Um, not a good throw, not even close. And as Brady's going down, he just trips up Woolen, which might have been a smart play, to be fair, because I, he might have gone down anyway, but if he stayed on his feet, he had a good chance at a really long return because... Yeah. Um, yeah, because they'd rolled out to the right and thrown it back across. So, I was watching that and I just thought, like, the Bucks are not a good enough team to play this way. Like, they were comfortable in the game, but it could have turned at any point. And Gignano put together a couple of drives where it was like, okay, so even though you're losing and you've not really played so well in the first half, you can see, like, okay, he's still... It's the kind of... He, he had a couple of drives that kind of made you believe... The hype, in yeah. a way, his own his own hype. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the Bucks were able to close it out, which I don't think they would have been able to do without having the run game that was strong, and and I think that's a a weakness of Seattle's. So, yeah, you know. they um, the you could definitely see old Mo paying a paying a little visit here to the Allianz Arena because you could see the momentum shift big time as soon as um 
as soon as that four net pass because then Brady went out on the next drive and and threw a pretty bad one picked off by Cody Barton and that was like oh okay so the Seahawks are actually alive in this game um great catch as well by Marquise Goodwin I want to just sort of briefly highlight he's he's had a couple nice um nice games Uh, pretty pretty decent returns actually for the rookie um yeah linking up nicely Uh, with Gino Marquise Goodwin he's not a rookie is he hasn't he been around for like 10 years no I'm pretty sure that oh shit no my bad yeah whoops (laughs) he used to play for like the 49 he was like a track star right yeah yeah yeah. my bad my bad no 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 he but I think he was like a he only really started contributing after the first several weeks. I think in that game where DK got hurt, he had a bit of a breakout. Mm. And it's been a bit a bit more of a fixture since. Um, they didn't really get Kenneth Walker going in this game, Seattle, I don't feel like. like. Not as much as they would have wanted, which was probably the difference in the game, ultimately. Is the Bucks had a more effective run game. Yeah, the... And, um, um, I think Walker it's, only it, had 17 yards all game. And then, I mean, he had like 55 crazy. receiving, but um, 17 on the ground is pretty pretty rough. But that's the Vita Vera yeah, effect. Exactly. And although, to be fair, the Bucks had been quite a soft run defense up until this point. So they're going to hope that this can be a real launching pad game for them for the second half of the season. And if it is, and, and they play a bit more like they do, and Chris Godwin's getting healthier and, and getting more involved in the fray, then. You know, it's all. He's forty-five years old, but this kind of time of year is Brady time, isn't it? So I wouldn't want to have like a a, a ten and seven. They're five and five now. If they come into the playoffs like ten and seven as division winners, that's going to be a risky game for someone if they have to tra- if they have to host the Bucks or possibly travel there. Yeah, um, could happen as well. They're on by wouldn't this week. Want to see that. And, and then, I feel the same way about the Forty Niners. They're kind of they've they've been there so often, yeah, in the postseason that they kind of there's yeah. experience there, isn't there? Definitely, they 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 know how to play that time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I don't really have anything else on on the game in Germany. So shall we head back over uh, to the United States? If we must, <laughs> yeah. Where, I mean. What else can you say about it other than potential full-blown game of the year candidate from the Minnesota Vikings who've been batting away criticism all season long but they got their prove-it win here. 33-30 to beating the Bills in overtime. One of the craziest endings to a game that I've seen since the last time the Bills had a crazy ending. Which you know keeps, cra- I would keeps say it was happening. A, a crazy. There were like a couple of things that happened at the end of this game that I've never seen um, in my time watching the NFL. Um, maybe we should break down. So the Vikings were down big for most of the game. They start coming back towards the end. They're driving down, and then just it basically becomes chuck up to Justin Jefferson time. Yeah, a fourth and eighteen. Cousins just throws up a prayer basically. In almost no situation in the world should it have ever been completed. But when you have Justin Jefferson, and um, he had a defensive back, had hands on the ball as well, draped all over him. Maybe even when you looked at the replay, you thought it might have even helped to stop the ball from bouncing away when it hit the ground. But you wouldn't have put it past Jefferson the way he was playing to just like, I don't know, 
easily scoop it up and then somehow get back up and keep running. Like he was just completely dominant and, and it was an insane catch. One of the I think Odell Beckham's famous catch, but with a defender with both hands on the ball basically. Um I've never seen anything like it. They drive down at the end, um, get down to what, third like first and goal, don't really do anything, get stuffed on third, run a QB sneak on fourth that looked like for sure it had gone over the line. But on replay, Cousins was just, just short. His shoulder touched out. I have no idea how the... I don't know if the official was guessing or if they did manage to spot that. It's a ridiculously good spot from them. Yeah. Um, so the the Bills at that point are basically thinking, game over. They've got the ball. They've got like 40 seconds left or whatever. Well, they even... The, the social the media account even tweeted, we get the ball, ball back, ball game. And then you do the one thing that can't happen. You fumble the snap, and then not only do you not recover it and take a safety, Eric Hendricks recovers it for a touchdown. Like, it just... it, it Alan was under center, and he just didn't rip the ball. It just came out. Kendrick's still on it. I, I don't know what to say. Like I think he... I've didn't n- he basically, like... Because when the ball hits his hands, it's almost like he shovels it back into the leg of his own O-lineman. Like into it was ridiculous. I've not seen anything like that since the miracle of the first miracle of the Meadowlands. <laughs> yeah, Joe Pasarczyk fumbling, and um, old what's his name? Who's the head? He was the head coach. Uh, Herman Edwards scoring a touchdown with the Eagles. It was that level of like, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe what I just saw. <laughs> I just don't believe it. <laughs> and um, yeah, the Vikings take over. Everyone's going nuts. 37 seconds and the Bills have two timeouts, so they obviously easily march down the field and kick a field goal because the Vikings insist on not even guarding the sidelines yeah. and playing like 20 yards off. So it was like the easiest drive ever. Almost like it was, almost like the Vikings saw that touchdown and they like, okay, now, now they scored the, the go-ahead touchdown with 37 seconds left and they defended it like they were just trying to get to overtime, which yeah. is insane. Um, they get to overtime, score a field goal, and then... They're coming. Bills are coming back down the field, and Josh Allen throws a quite brain dead interception. To be honest, trying to force it into the end zone, Pat P just easily picks it off, and that was the game. Yeah. So I think that that's the fourth time this season you were saying, Max, that it's a game, third or fourth, third or fourth time <laughs> that a, a Vikings game has been won, decided Pat, and won by their DBs. Pat P had a. A game-ending pick, I think. Cam Dancer had that pick where he just like ripped the ball away from the. Do you remember that he forced? Yeah, the yeah, the one break. on EQ St. Brown against the Bears. Yeah, that was nuts. And then yeah. there was the one. Obviously, the Vikings had like the the double successful, or the double doink as well in London. Like yeah. they've found odd ways to win this game. And and um, Ed was annoyed with me because obviously I was like, he was like, you're trying to discredit the Vikings. But I was, I was honestly. I'm not trying to discredit the Vikings. I'm just trying to destabilize them as a franchise. <laughs> because it, it does answer... Like, the, the big question for the Vikings is, like... Because they only really played one game against what you'd consider a real NFL heavyweight in 2022, which was the Eagles game yeah. in week two when they got slapped. So the question was, like, well, can they actually... They've won, but are they flat-track bullies? Can they run with the big boys? So they come to Buffalo and win. So the answer to that question is Yes. The next question is, can they win any game in a convincing manner? Because it's it's funny to, like, you get, a, like, I would say two miracles happened to the Vikings on that drive. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, two miraculous plays. 
the um, funny thing is as well is like the, one of the miracles didn't even need to happen. Like Dalvin Cook bobbling the ball on the goal line. If he'd have been able to catch it and just turn into open field, uh, it was only on the second, like on the two yard line. There was nothing. There was nothing stopping him from being able to just turn and make his way in. And that would have been more than enough. Uh, they had to then rely on one of the most ludicrous offensive flubs and defensive like recoveries that I've ever seen. It was a miracle. Um it was it was a, it was like a double miracle. But uh, what I would say is obviously Ed's uh, I hope if Ed's listening to that, I hope he feels better because he's a bit on today, unfortunately not able to join us. So yeah. I I don't want to like I, I obviously what one thing that Ed said that really um stuck with me that I really agreed with was is he said as the Vikings I think maybe in overtime or he said win or lose this sort of changes the opinion of the Vikings, which I agree because there was no miracles in the fact that they stuck in the game yeah. and they battled back and they, the you know, they, they it, the game really came down to that one yard on the on the quarterback sneak because if they'd done that, then you're not saying like, oh, they won by a miracle, right? Yeah. You're saying they came back and won it. So I totally agree with that. And I think the side of it is even if they, they didn't convert it and they lost, you'd still say, well, they can certainly put a good effort in and they can be considered among the elites but the other side of it is win or lose they won but you can't then say like oh they're actually better than the elites just because they won this game because the the manner in which it ended was like you could learn a lot from the first 58 and a half minutes of this game i don't think we learned too much after that point if that makes sense yeah yeah and i think as well like i mean to borrow your favorite way of looking at things i think if you play this game out oh yes a hundred oh, yes. times i think that I, I i would still say that i'd think the bills would probably win about 70 to 75 times if we're taking just the first 58 minutes they probably win 99 times out of 100 but all it takes is one is all it takes is one outcome where that changes and and you're absolutely right. The Vikings deserved winners on the day. Um, if they'd have just ex- like been able to execute a couple plays differently, like we wouldn't even be having this discussion. It would have just been the Vikings just both, did it. So I, both I mean, teams would would have been deserved winners if they had won because yeah. they both played their part. That that's all. It, 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 it was kind of like it came kind of came down to like it was like a winning a penalty shootout, right? Yeah. Um, it was a. It was sort of not about the quality of the two teams that in that last play. Yeah, I mean, like the, the it was an, up until that fumbled, which was the play that won the game for the Vikings. Other than the Allen pick, that was kind of not about skill. <laughs> you know, it was it was like an act of God, basically. Yeah, i I think that I think that you can basically feel better about the Vikings as heart and spirit and to be fair that's probably been the best bit about them this season in the fact that they're not they don't look dejected the moment that the first like recovery touchdown happens um in a game that they're leading they 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 keep sticking it through and what have you they just yeah, I think they just insist on still giving their fan base heart attacks but one of the big things is like they you can say like they didn't 
ball down in the face of adversity. Like the the game looked like it was getting away from them, but they managed to fight back, and that's that's a big trait, a massive yeah. trait for a team to have. Plus, as um, well, when you've got the X factor that is Justin Jefferson, like you shouldn't feel like you should be starting to worry about the game getting away from you because at any point it's it's the whole it's the whole Randy Moss sort of situation all over again. Like Randy Moss used to be able to just put up like. 80 yeah. yards on a drive on his own. He just put the team on his back and just lead them the whole way. There's a reason why we call every type of those like one-handed beating a defender on your back type catches getting mossed. Uh, Justin Jefferson just absolutely proved that he he is that guy. He got that absolutely. dog in him. Um, and he, he should have been proving it anyway. The the prediction that Ed made at the at the start of the year, which was like... The most agreeable one that we all had was Justin Jefferson, offensive player of the year, and it's looking it's looking pretty good when you put the team on your back this well. He's in that conversation. I, yeah. I would say the only people who might be... Uh, I would maybe think about Tyreek Hill's got a good chance because he bails out two on four balls a game. <laughs> <laughs> um he he's probably right there, but um, that's not as palatable an idea. So, yeah. yeah um, I mean, yeah, th- that was uh, that was all on Jefferson right at the end. Um, so th- it's a question answered for the Vikings. I think the next question for the Vikings that they need to answer is: they've won like seven straight, but almost all of those were like a one p.m. kickoff in the Kirk Cousins roast dinner hour. Even the one in Britain, yeah. local time, like the early afternoon kickoff. So my Kirk Cousins roast dinner theory still in place. Um, <laughs> well, they've, I don't got, think... they've got two games. One of them at, at the nine twenty-five p.m. bit, so it'll be like post the roast dinner. So maybe it'll come out like yeah, looking yeah. hot that first half, but second well, half stagnate and fall into a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving roast dinner. That's that's a, a something you'll factor. I think they've got one prime time that game left on the schedule at the moment, which is um, against New England. So which is the Thanksgiving game, right? Right, so I don't know. They they should win that, but um, <laughs> it kind of is. If they lost that, then you, then you start thinking like, because we established this after the Philadelphia game that primetime Kirk Cousins is it, it's been happening for too long to completely just dismiss it out of hand. Yeah. Um. So is there or thereabouts? But I don't think the Patriots necessarily. If they lost the Patriots, that would be a terrible look. Um. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to close out. And um. Although I'm saying you can't draw too much conclusions from actually who won this game um what it does do is is really impactful because obviously we've only got one bye now in each conference yeah the vikings are still second because the philadelphia eagles have the tiebreaker on them yeah, yeah. but they're only half a game behind and um the bills are now third in their own division and that's massive yeah but um, they fell from second to sixth or first to sixth in the in the in yeah. the like playoff rankings because the jets and dolphins are ahead now it's crazy. The Bills, the Bills need to. The, I there's t- three games in a row now where the Bills haven't won, haven't scored a touchdown in the second half. And if they had in those games against the Jets and the Vikings, then they would probably be top of the pile on the power rankings. They'd be a yeah. one loss team with that one loss being against the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh no, wait, did they beat the Chiefs? Uh, yeah, they did. Oh, so they would they would have the one loss against the Dolphins. Um, but instead. Uh, they're in a bit of a fork in the road during the season, I reckon. Yeah, there's still um, concerns as well about Josh Allen's elbow. It seemed like... It didn't uh, look like you. 
he was struggling with it too much, didn't he? Well, it didn't look like, but then you'd see him after certain throws and he'd be like, it looked like he was sort of grimacing or like feeling his elbow a little bit. Like, I'm not saying that this at all played a factor in this game. It's probably not a talking point if they win, right? Yeah, no. I'm not saying that it played a factor in this game. I'm just like, for future, if, if that... If that goes south at any point, that could be yeah. a, a real derailer for the season. If he reaggravates it, yeah. Um, all right, some game though. Yeah, some game. hell of a fucking game. Um, absolutely. Okay, let's uh, let's turn our attention then to weirdly the three games that I've got picked out for this actual like Sunday slate are all host teams. Um, in the NFC North. In the, in the NFC North. It's just that they were the most entertaining games of the week, unfortunately. Uh, Lions 31, Bears 30. This was just a crazy game. I couldn't make heads or tails of anything that I was seeing for large parts of it. We got another ridiculous Justin Fields play of like a 60-yard touchdown run. Poor Emma, I think that she probably like knackered in her vocal cords from screaming by how she was... Um, how she was responding in the in the text channel, I couldn't I couldn't at all figure out who was going to win this game. Even right down to the wire, that final play with the with the Lions and they they had like four guys trying to bring down Fields and he was still on his feet and finally Anzalone brought him down. Um, just a just a crazy game, real fun yeah. spectacle on a Sunday, especially when we were waiting for like vikings bills updates and we'd just get like a little bit more information about lions bears and oh yeah it's weird being able to oh, enjoy a, a, a chicago bears offensive performance but what a glorious time it is to be a chicago bears fan i've realized that i forgot to put that soundboard onto the thing but yes what a glorious time cut it actually out. might be cut that out Cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Scoring no, um what I was gonna say is scoring thirty one t scoring thirty one points in the NFC North it's not for everyone. Not for everyone. But um, <laughs> it's a, it was kind of an odd game this, right? Because the Bears are basically um almost entirely one of the most run heavy teams in the league. So you would have thought going into the four like twelve minutes left with a fourteen point lead, they would have been able to close us out, but um Obviously, they filled through a pick six, which Jeff Akuda was like the first positive play he's had in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, scored a touchdown, and then I don't know. Sometimes you look at this Lions team and you're like, what is going on? A guy called Brock Wright scored a touchdown, and I've never heard of Brock Wright, I thought was the guy from Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a strange one, a very strange one. The, the Lions have played themselves out of first overall pick contention um, at. Uh, what three and six now with two wins in the division um i don't know i don't know what the hell's going i don't know what we can learn from this or i think it's another game where the bears offense is like four in a row now so we can probably say like the bears offense although we talked about last week is it's in the long run it's certainly something to be to be reckoned with at the moment i don't think yeah you'll face them um they and- they still seem very they they don't know how to win. They don't know how to put games away. Um, you know, rookie head coach, a team who hasn't done that much winning in the last five years. You can sometimes see. Obviously, they broke down the defense, which once again is yeah. is probably costing them one in the W column. In the W column, but um, 
Well, I think yeah, they I could think have picked up two experience with how the with how their last two games have gone. They could easily be five and five right now, or even yeah, five and five right now. Which put um, them second in, in the division. It put them second in the division. It put them level with the commanders in terms of like hunting down a wild card spot. They still have like their schedule gets a lot harder from here as well. They really needed to get a win against the Lions if they were going to actually consider this season as like a a potential. It's so strange. Literally, they did everything right apart from like five plays worth of things to get wrong. And those were the plays that the Lions absolutely like burned them on either the Akuda pick six or Brock Wright scoring the touchdown or just yeah it was such a weird game to watch you could see how weird of a game it was because how many times do you see those sort of busted coverages this year where a DB mm-hmm. completely forgets about the main passing option for a team and all of a sudden like Cole Komet has like 40 yards of receiving uh, well yard after catch just from open field in front of him because uh, was it Akuda there who just made an absolute boneheaded bust of coverage? We don't. Who we've knows? not seen that all season, and we got it in this game, which just sort of highlights how weird and wacky and fun it was. Um, I think it, w- one thing in this game is the Bears had nine penalties for eighty-six yards, um, compared to the Lions having two for fifteen, um, and the Lions also weren't that effective in the. They had a couple of red zone trips that. They didn't really pan out. Yeah. The Bears are an explosive rushing attack at the moment, which is, you know, not not easy to do to to um to have a rushing attack that feels like it can house any run that gets that gets called. So they're certainly there or thereabouts. Um, yeah, they're they're not they're three and seven. I think you can probably safely fork them. Yeah, but you're not going to want to play them if you're on the periphery of the wild card race. No, absolutely not. And and it is they they have full blown berserker energy. And to be honest, I think that both of these teams do. Um it's weird to think of that as well, think of the Lions as that when two weeks ago they were one and six and staring right down the barrel and then all of a sudden here they are like getting a win against the Packers and Bears and all of a sudden it starts looking like alright, maybe they could be like a a little bit of a weirdly frisky team if um Say the Falcons want any actual playoff aspirations at all. They w- they wouldn't want to face the Lions, I don't think. Um, and it's the same for the Bears. Like you don't want to be facing Justin Fields while he's running all over teams again. One hundred and forty-seven yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Yeah, Ever Justin Fields he... in the last two weeks, he's got a hundred. He's got three hundred and twenty-five, I think, rushing yards and three touchdowns in the last two weeks, which you don't often see for. A... Yeah, I think that at the moment the offense is that's the first play in the playbook. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's having he's having so much more success on the ground that why not at this point? Because mm-hmm. um, his his passing numbers still on doing. They're still not getting my back up, but at this point, I, don't, I still don't, I don't care. No, I'd rather he just fuck it, run. I don't care at this point. It's way more electric. It is interesting. It's going to be a real... This is like probably the biggest test so far of how good a running quarterback do you have to be to make up for the fact that you're not really an NFL-grade passer. Um, because Justin Fields is right there 
is probably right now he's probably the best Russian quarterback in the league. Yeah. But he's not anywhere near as good a passer as Lamar, I would say, is significantly better. But yeah. um you know, Fields is um he can he can take the layups most of the time. So the question is like it is going to push the boundaries, unless unless his passing really develops. Which, to be fair, it did it did for Lamar, and, and you've seen it happen for Jalen Hurts. Um, it's not impossible, but it is quite a one-dimensional offense. But it's some it's some dimension right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, and then finally, uh, for for the games that we want to sort of properly deep dive into, we'll wrap up every other one like more quickly, but. Last one that we really want to start getting into is the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field had a get-right game against the playoff-aspiring Dallas Cowboys, 31-28. This was probably the most balanced offensive showing from the Packers that I've seen in quite some time. Aaron Jones running 24 yards for 130, uh, 24 times for 138 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers only throwing the ball 20 times. But when he did throw it, he actually got receiving help from Christian Watson, who housed a couple deep shots. Uh, well, housed the ball three times, 107 yards receiving. Pretty nice game from him. Really needed it to go. And the Cowboys just didn't really keep up all that much. Um, obviously, they they well, did they did take it to overtime. But I, I don't know. I feel well, like the Packers... No, the Cowboys, the Cowboys were up 28-14. Um Fairly, uh, with, with about, I don't know, 12 minutes, something like that left in the fourth quarter. And they were moving it pretty nicely, I think. Um, Tony Pollard had, had had a good game. I still don't know how the Cowboys can possibly replace him with Zeke Elliott when Ezekiel Elliott comes back. Like, it's just not... I don't know who... It must be a Jerry thing, because no one in their right mind would do that. Well, they're and, still um, paying Zeke a bunch of money, so I can see why Jerry doesn't mean you be... have to play him. No, it doesn't. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. But, yeah. <laughs> And um, C. Lamb had a, a very a very nice game indeed. The Packers, a minor tactical change because Eric Stokes got hurt. They moved Darnell Savage, who's been struggling a bit this year, into the slot and brought in Rudy Ford, the former Cardinals six-rounder who was with the Jags, who was basically brought in to be a gunner. Um, they moved him as safety, and he comes in and gets two picks of Dak Prescott. Uh, the Packers scored a touchdown on both of those in the first half, so that worked. The Darnell Savage got... I mean, if you look at CeeDee Lamb, I think he was over 120-odd yards and had a touchdown. Um, Jair Alexander didn't travel with him, and a lot of that was against Tarnell Savage in coverage, so a bit to work on there. But yeah, no, importantly, it was a fun, it was a really fun game. It was like the first time all year they looked like the Packers were having a bit of fun playing football. Um, Christian Watson had a couple of drops on like the first drive that would have gone for first downs, but... Rogers stuck with it and and he made a couple of nice long shot grabs, um, and one it's like a shorter one for a touchdown. So that's a big development. They're gonna need him. Sammy Watkins even had a couple of catches in this game, including Aaron Rodgers had one of those throws in this game where Sammy Watkins was running like an outside route, came back about fifteen yards. It was actually on a second and twenty two, and he went for twenty three yards. Ran around on the outside, came back, and and the way the way that Rogers put it in was basically hit him right on the inside, like on the armpit. So it was like he had no choice but to catch the ball. Um, a crazy placement catch was very satisfying to watch. Um, and yeah, it was the most called runs or designed runs in like by percentage on the offense since 
I don't know. I can't imagine there's been many. It was definitely in the LaFleur era and, and probably since Rodgers was like, before they won that Super Bowl, I can't imagine they ran the ball that much. And when they did, unsurprisingly, they had a lot of success. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I'd pretty much agree with everything that was said there. I, uh, I must admit I was watching this game while I was um, doing other things, uh, as I've started oh. doing with the secondary window. Um. But um, yeah, from what I saw of it, it was a uh, was a real a real fun game. Um, it was it was interesting, right? Because um, I said to you guys last week, I was like, I know the Packers have just scored nine points against the Lions, but honest to God, the, they're moving the ball really well downfield, and the average depth of target is way up, and it looks like they're getting the deep ball back. And obviously, it's a lot harder to say that and be taken seriously when you scored nine points against the Lions. <laughs> yeah, true. When you come back and score thirty-one against what was before the bye, people would were generally saying was the league's best defense. Then carries a bit more weight, and I think they they it, it was that thing where you know they closed the game out. The defense got three stops in a row, and it was that thing where the last few weeks they've shown flashes, but hadn't been able to put it all together. The fourth quarter they put it all together and managed to scrape a win. Um, probably a little bit too late now, to be honest. So that's less than ideal, but yeah, and um, they really. Blocked Micah Parsons out of this game, but um, fucking Demarcus Lawrence is unblockable at times <laughs> in this game. Like, he was so disruptive. Um, not, not, not a guy you really want to be facing. Not a duo you want to be facing at this time. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't have anything else to add. Do you have anything else for this game, or shall we hit the rest of the Sunday slate? No, we can move on. Sweet. All right. Um, we're going to move then to another game that uh, actually ended up being a pretty fun, close one, but more for uh, what it actually represented for two head coaches at different points of their careers. Um, the Indianapolis Colts getting a 25-20 to win at the Big Ashtray in Las Vegas. And, well, the... Majority of this game coming in was Jeff Saturday. The majority of the game coming out is Josh McDaniels as Jeff Saturday gets his first win and Josh McDaniels um, again bottles a big chance to have a get right against a team that was actively trying to uh, throw games a couple games ago. Derek Carr. I thought that. I thought they were trying to actively throw games, but they started. The fact they started Matt Ryan was quite confusing. Well, this is because Frank Reich um, was told by Jim A.S.A. to bench Matt Ryan, which is fair enough. Matt Ryan was playing like crap. Um, he wasn't playing worse than... He but he wasn't any him, worse than Sam Ehlinger now, who wasn't ready. Um, Frank Reich must have been watching that when they announced Matt Ryan was going back. He must be like... Pfft. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it it is very telling that all throughout the week, the story was Frank Reich and his... Um, his friendship hire of Jeff Saturday and uh, what was the point of it and why why bother? And then he gave him free reign to start the actual quarterback and not the bum. And it was like, okay, I see where this is going here. You want to make Jeff Saturday look better and you wanted to get rid of Frank Reich anyway so you could hire Jeff Saturday. And now I bet they'll give Jeff Saturday the job full time. I just... I'm 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 out I'm out on it. 
they're just trying to bend around the Rooney rule, I think. I just, I'm sick of it. Jim A.S.A. stinks. But they did get the win, and that is the other important thing. Plus, they got um, a great game out of Jonathan Taylor, which Frank Reich hadn't really had all season. But I think that's more because Taylor's been banged up. He's missed a few games and everything, but they actually got some production out of him, and, and that was, in the end, the difference as he went to an... Uh, 22 carries for 147 yards. Matt Ryan did throw a touchdown and seemed less turnover happy as he uh, than he had been in the first few games. But the real story for me has got to be everything that happened off the field after the game where Derek Carr went into his press conference and just looked deflated. Uh, he actually started crying at one point. Um, it was quite, quite sad to see, really. And then... Uh, Mark Davis coming out immediately after said press conference and saying that Josh McDaniel uh, said about Josh McDaniels, I think he's doing a fantastic job. Um, and I, I think was, I think that somebody also had the opportunity to follow up with. Uh, I think that Mark Davis had said something along the lines of at the end of that that um, he couldn't understand uh, what. McDaniels was doing wrong he thought that he was doing a fantastic job and somebody missed the, the opportunity to say well you've won two games you're currently 31st in terms of record in the whole NFL uh, you have Devontae Adams and still can't move the ball effectively what's the point um, yeah Raider Nation seems like it's blowing itself up at this and I'm not surprised they are shit Yeah, it's a catastrophe. Two and seven, and and the season's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> season's over. I don't know how they can even justify keeping McDaniel's at this point. Like, it's just stubborn. Yep, agreed. Um, and next off, we actually head ourselves to Arrowhead, where the now one seed in the AFC Kansas City Chiefs beat the Jacksonville Jaguars twenty-seven to seventeen. Jags actually started out with this game super aggressively with an onside kick and then immediately regressed back into into the hole for large parts of the game as though they were trying not to lose. Um, Chiefs asserted their might. Uh, one quick thing to mention, though, is that Andre Sisko must have been taking all of his lessons from Mike Mitchell by playing uh, the wipe-out-the-other-team's receivers and you don't have to cover anyone defense. Uh, took out Juju Smith-Schuster in a pretty horrid hit, really. Hope that Juju's all right. Um, really scary stuff there. And then he also took out Mar uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling at one point, who then came back into the game and had a touchdown. Kadarius Tony also had a touchdown for the first time in his NFL career. So, um, interesting First to game see outside him. of New York. Yeah, interesting to see him healthy and playing well. Um Suggestion that Daniel Jones might not be as good at, at getting the ball to him as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, there's a real argument to be had there that that could be that could be the reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I've always got nothing to start this. The Chiefs, yeah, one at a canter. The Jags um, aren't in a position right now where they're going to compete in games like this. Although they didn't do, they didn't disgrace themselves necessarily. Other than that, it was a couple of pretty dirty hits. I'd be I'd be fuming about that if I was a Chiefs fan. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, I, th I think this one was probably the most predictable, uneventful yeah. kind of uh, 
it was a bit of a just a not a, what, what do they call it uh it was a procession a procession not yeah. a parade it was not <laughs> a parade game. it was a procession game yeah um hence why it's in this little white wrap-up corridor instead of an actual discussed game i'm sorry chiefs oh, fans. That, one thing i might add is that um Clyde Edwards Lair barely touched the ball anymore. He is he's gone. <laughs> he is off the team at the end of It's weird though, because uh, uh, he... next year I guess. Unless they choose to cut him this year. No, they wouldn't I don't think that they'd do that. I think that because he looked alright when he when he played snaps last week and he barely got the ball then. Isaiah Pacheco has really taken over his lead back, but Edwards Alaire is still like a pretty decent change of pace back. Um I don't I don't I don't hate it. Um but yeah, I don't think that they, they keep him around uh, after his rookie deal. He got one. Um, Alright, uh, Cardinals 27, Rams 17. The Colt McCoy versus John Wolford game that we were all expecting and hoping for. And pfft. and Colt McCoy and Trace Sawley. Oh yeah, Trace McSawley also came into this game at one point. Um, didn't do anything, just handed the ball off a couple times. Bryce Perkins threw a pass. Uh, just yeah, uh, just a the Rams okay, the the Rams right, might be the worst shot by of all the disappointments oh, of all the that was terrible of all, of all the disappointing teams yeah they're Super Bowl champions and they are effed <laughs> they are <laughs> sinking without a trace yeah they um, are I mean obviously dumb. like John Wolford um isn't gonna revamp you really help you out but what i would say is this is what's the killer is cooper you know cooper cups had season ending ankle surgery on a high ankle sprain that he sustained in this game oh. he's gone on ir so they are i don't know how they're going to move the ball and it could get pretty ugly like they could lose like they could end up with like a top five pick which i don't know what the worst super bowl defense of all time is but that that's gotta be up there that is yeah not good not good football it's quite funny actually that when the Lions like made that trade with the whole Stafford thing, they they might have been sort of projecting like at least like low twenties or like high twenties at most. Really, you wouldn't mm. have expected them to be getting a top five pick for that. It's crazy. You wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect them to potentially have a better record in yeah. the next draft. It's crazy. But, um, um, it is another thing about this game. Uh, speaking of things that could be a little bit bugged is um this was the best that the cardinals offense has looked all year from... i was so predictable that that was gonna happen it, it really is aj green came back out of the woodwork rondale moore was putting up like really nice steady 10 yards a car uh, 10 yards a catch average numbers deandre hopkins had 10 catches for 98 yards james connor moved the ball decently on the ground like is this on the Rams being total ass, including their defense, or is this on the fact that Colt McCoy actually maybe studies and Kyler Murray's been playing too much Call of Duty and is actually not all that good? Colt McCoy is not better than Kyler Murray. I don't. I'm not, I think no, 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 I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Colt McCoy is better. I'm just saying that he's more willing to learn what this offense wants to do i still don't even know if i'd say that i'd say maybe i i would say there's a good chance that maybe kyler murray's in his own head um and the coaching's certainly not helping 
Yeah, he definitely needs more. <sighs> yeah, like he's definitely being led astray. Like that, he needs to. He's got so much talent, but he needs to be given a way to y- use it effectively. And they just—they're not like they're so badly coached. And they gave them a, they gave the GM and the coach an extension. That's mind blowing. Yeah, they are stuck in the door. Like even though we we're saying the Rams are worse <laughs> than than the Cardinals, the Cardinals have a lot more funk because the Rams they're not gonna f- they're not gonna what even want to fire Sean McVay after the season, are they? But no. you can't help but think the Cardinals might want to, but they've not. They 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 can't. They're just too too invested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, the G Men beating the Houston Texans twenty four to sixteen at the Meadowlands. Uh, the Giants continue their impressive record and impressive streak up the league. Although I wouldn't really say that this one really changed anything about either side. Uh, it just sort of happened. Um, Texans refused to die. They, they they don't want to lay down, but unfortunately they just don't have they don't have the talent to even keep up with a, a just a well coached Giants team. I don't know what the Houston Texans are in this in this year. I don't. I just don't. But, I don't think that they are that team right now. You know how um. You know how we say that there's a, because of the parity in the NFL. A lot of games right now are coming down to like the last quarter and often the last drive. There's a few sides to this, like the Vikings are probably the best side that all their games go down to the last drive of the last quarter. Yep. The Giants are another really good team. Um, there are some bad teams who lose every week on the last drive, like the Packers in that stretch. And then the Texans are like the worst possible version of that. They do just enough to stay in the game and then inevitably fold. And um, it's often the shoulders of Davis Mills. And I don't know what they're going to... I don't know what what their plan is, but I can't imagine it extends much further than trying to draft Bryce Young. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that seems to be the best option. Or at the very least, whoever ends up making a run for uh, best quarterback... Do you think there's a, there's a scenario where the Texans um, pick somebody like a Bo Nix instead of a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? Yeah, entirely. Absolutely entirely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the only way that this team is going to gain more life. Um, all right, and then... You are not fit for this game. Yeah, sorry, Texans. Um, all right, we now head down into the properly, properly balked regions of this week, where where we actually find ourselves with a pigeon-fielded Acrisure Stadium watching the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the New Orleans Saints 20-10. to um, this was actually the best run game from the Pittsburgh Steelers as a team since 2016, would you believe? Uh, first time they've rushed for over 210 plus yards as a team since Le'Veon Bell carry, putting the whole team on his back against Buffalo one snowy, snowy winter game. Najee Harris got back to back to life a little bit. Jalen Warren had a real nice game, um, making plays up and down the field. Um, 
and they 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 definitely got a lot of uh, a lot of pop back from um, the likes of TJ. What? How do I stop this? I want to. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of background sound. Yeah, no, that's that you was... might want to start this game again. To be honest, what was it that bad? Yeah, it sounded quite bad. To be honest, okay, just start from the the Steelers bit again. Okay. Uh, sorry, Sam. Cut this out. All right, now. Okay, we now head down into the doldrums of the NFL this week, where the Pittsburgh Steelers. Got a 20 to 10 win at Accra Stadium against the New Orleans Saints, who thought uh, fall to three and seven on the year. Andy Dalton is three and 14 against the Steelers in his career, and he will have been hoping when he came back to Heinz Field that they weren't going to have uh, last year's Defensive Player of the Year on the field, who immediately did seem to pick up the whole team around him. Um, this was the most spirited that I've seen the Steelers play in quite some time. Uh, Kevin Dotson actually, um, the left, uh, the Steelers left guard, said that over the bye week, the Steelers um, had a team meeting where Mike Tomlin basically told everyone to air out their grievances. And I will say that it seemed to have cleared a lot of the stank off the team as they got their best rushing game since 2016, where Le'Veon Bell went mad against Buffalo. From a combined effort where they've actually started using the uh, trio backfield of Najee Harris, Kenny Pickett, and Jalen Warren to um, to actually combine for a decent rushing attack. And yeah. is Jalen Warren getting more work? It looked like he, he was is seeing a bit more of the ball. Yeah, so he um, he had his highest snap count of the year, carrying the ball nine times and also being uh, a receiving option on three plays, which um, I think his total snap count share was like 27% which is higher than it has been all year and you could really see that that took a lot of the weight off of Najee Harris as well who I will say as well um, found his found his pop again uh, bursted off some real explosive runs but specifically he was running north to south like he should have been doing this whole time instead of trying to hesitate in the backfield and it worked out Um there was also big interceptions from Demonte KZ, who played his first game for the Steelers after uh, going on IR in preseason. He actually has plates in his forearm now. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Good lord! Yeah, he he fractured his uh, forearm, and I think also, I think there was also a dislocated wrist in there as well. So he's playing with plates and. Uh, he ended up getting a pretty nice pick that ended up helping the team out big time. Before Levi Wallace also had a game ceiling interception as well. For the Saints side, um, this was probably their worst offensive performance from all of their stars. Alvin Kamara just forty-three or sorry, forty-five combined yards um, on quite a few touches. Taysom Hill just zero point three yards a carry, and Andy Dalton threw two picks as well. They they were they were actually getting bullied a little bit. The Steelers came out hard and fast and actually looked like a competent team for a change. Whoop de do. It's pretty pretty nice. Good to, good to see. Um Alright, and then finally the Denver Broncos. Max, do you want do you wanna take the stand on this? Do you wanna take the final stand on, on the Denver Broncos? No. No, I don't. Fuck them. I'll see you in hell. That's yeah. 
all right. <laughs> As for, entirely fair enough. Um, yeah, they lost 10 to 17 in a pretty bad game where it seemed like nobody was really that enthusiastic about playing very well at all. Russell Wilson is on a lot of money to play like this. That's all I have to say about that. Um, you know the outro music is playing right now? I do. I, I actually put it on right now. <laughs> oh, good. I thought we were having a... I, I was, got scared. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was entirely intentional. Um, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that's a great finishing statement. And then, uh, uh, then you started breaking down the game, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I know. Let's get out of here. Catch us on yes. at Stiff Lip Pod, and we'll see you next week. Amari Rogers has been cut.